0: baby we back with a bang it's the state of combat podcast on cbs sports with the Brian campbell and it's mma time mixed martial arts all killer no filler ready to invade your sensibilities maybe even invade your ear hole with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio bc the name that you hear the voice but sitting across from me is the hall of famer Connecting via Skype, Sugar Rashad Evans back after a little bit of a break. So glad to have you back, Sugar Rashad. So many hot takes I want to receive from you.
1: What's going on, man? I miss you guys a lot. It's been burning me inside. I need to get back in the studio, so I'm glad I'm back.
0: Yes, loving that. Oh, yeah. Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. (laughs) It's red panty time. Let me bring in Brandon White. I got a cat hair all over my tongue. You can do with that information what you... Uh, Please. All right. That's an awkward moment in podcasting history. Brandon Wise is back. All right?
2: I'm doing good, BC. I'm doing a little bit better than you, but now we in South Florida are preparing for the most wonderful time of the year, and that is hurricane season. Yeah.
0: Bless up to you, folks. Uh, (laughs) Stay healthy. Stay safe. Brandon, how is life at Hard Knocks 365? You F around and catch a concussion yet? What's going on down there?
2: Yeah, no concussions yet. I've got some fun bruises now on my sternum from... uh, one of our coworkers here, Mario, he's and yeah, he some body shots and he bruised up my ribs a little bit.
0: It was, here's here's a note to anybody: if you work with a dude who's about forty and just ripped and and will say to you without even being prompted about his MMA background, and then that guy's like, "Hey, you want to go work out with me?" The answer is always no, Brandon. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> no, that's not true. That's all. It's fun. I love it.
0: You don't love it. I love it. All right. Yeah, I haven't flipped the switch yet on uh, getting shape, Campbell, 2019. All right. It's coming, though. All right. Nobody cares about that. They care about MMA. We got a lot to talk about this week, guys. Title fight in China this weekend. A lot of reactions going back over the last couple weeks. Big Bellator card over the weekend that certainly hit up the viral highlight machine. So we got a lot to get to. And, guys, I don't know about you, but. College football season is also back. Brandon, you're a big-time editor and writer on the college football side for CBS Sports. So if your ears are a little bit lonely, bro, let me remind you that it's only fitting that the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports would have you cover this entire season. Throughout the week, you'll get the latest news and insight. Plus, can't miss locks, Brandon, and new to the podcast this year instant Saturday night analysis you don't have to wait until Monday morning to hear the recap of the top games Chip Patterson Barton Simmons Tom Fornelli hit you up over the weekend after the final whistle of Florida Miami in week zero to hit you with that instant analysis they'll be back again week one download and subscribe to the cover three college football podcast on Apple podcasts and tell them BC sent you Rashad you were once a high school football star in northern New York. How close did you come to playing on the next level?
1: I came pretty close. you know. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I had a little bit of sour grapes because of the fact that we didn't go to the finals, I would have continued to play. I would have played in college. But after we had that performance, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do individual sports where I'm control.
0: <laughs> Who was the coach? Was that a Nick Saban run time in uh, Michigan State?
1: No, no, no. It was actually not even at Michigan State. It was in uh, – uh, I was going to play in junior college – Right before I went to junior college, I was going to go to Brockport University and play football there.
0: Could you have walked on as a Spartan looking back?
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. Hmm. I mean, cause,
1: I, I mean, when I was in college, man, it's, I, had, I had a lot of potential. I could have done a lot of things.
0: Brandon, uh, you know, next level for you, left tackle, could have happened, could have happened. No. I'm
2: glad I ended my career where I did.
0: All right. I'm glad to see you protecting your brain nowadays in your free time. Okay, now. All right, guys. We're going to get into all things mixed martial arts in a second, but let's pause first to hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah. Dig it
1: on May 23rd.
2: I want to go back to
1: normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, returns. We've
0: already hunted werewolves, demons. Mm-hmm. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> dookie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have vision somehow. Make it stop, make it shut up. We're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season, streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. All right. We're back. BCB dubs, the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans. Rashad, you haven't been around in a while. So we popped big for all things UFC 241 in Anaheim. What a lot of wildness from the return of Nate Diaz to that Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier rematch, which sort of readjusted and, and re-triggered a lot of debates in terms of heavyweight legacies and goats and all that stuff. We want to get your take. What'd you think about Stipe DC2? What are you thinking about coming off of that?
1: I thought it was a phenomenal fight for both fighters. You know, um, it showed the grit of uh, of, of Stepe and it showed why he is, you know, considered you know the best of all time at heavyweight. But then it also showed a side of DC in which we, we you know, I've never really seen. You know, that was a more technical, um, you know, boxing savvy. You know, early in the fight, um, you know, DC establishes control early with his stand up, but then he was able to finish it off with his ground and dominance on the ground. But then the next following rounds, he opened up. And it was really the jab, that lead hand jab was really catching Steve a, and the evidence is on his face uh you know leading into that final round before you finished DC. You know, DC was just pretty much catching him with everything in the kitchen sink. And I think that was the reason why DC was getting so confident having his hands down, because when you can beat a guy with the jab, you're pretty much controlling the, the whole stand-up engagement because you're controlling distance. And if I'm able to beat you with the jab, then that means I'm able to see everything that you have coming. And if I'm able to see everything you have coming, then your shots are not going to hurt me. Even if you do put a little bit of sting on it, it's not going to hurt me because I'm going to be able to brace for it. You know, the hardest shot that you that, that anyone takes is a shot that they don't see. And that's the one that knocks everybody out. You know, it's not that it had that much stink on it. It's the fact that they don't see it. But if you're seeing these shots and if you're, you're anticipating it, it takes a bit of the sting off. So that's why say DC, DC was able to, look like that and get his hands down. But when Steve was able to catch the de- the timing of DC's jab and then slip and start digging to that body, that changed the whole the whole spec the whole spectrum of the fight. You know, and at the in that fourth round when he started digging to the body, he seen DC start getting on his heels. And at that moment he just started digging in that body. And that was great for him to recognize it because a good jab like DC was hitting him and being able to wrestle how DC was on, on, on top. That would frustrate anybody, and especially if you're trying to get back to being the champion. Those those thoughts of of past defeats can start slipping in your mind, and then when he's starting to slip those jabs in, you know, the power it made it much easier for those power shots to slip through. And you've seen uh, um, Stipe take a lot of big shots to the head. You know, his face
0: was a mess afterwards. Yeah. Oh,
1: it it was a mess. He took he took DC's best shots, you know, and I think that's what. What was the true testament to to Stipe and how bad he wanted this was the fact that he was willing to walk through all of that that DC gave him and keep on going to get the finish. Not get the win, but get the finish. Brandon
0: and I went up and down the road last week about this, but I did want to get your specific reaction to some of the hot takes that have come out of this fight and sort of the counters against that. Look, I said it afterwards. I thought DC just straight up did not respect Stipe's punching power to the level that he probably should have in a fight that important. True or false in your eyes?
1: Well, I mean, you, you got to think where, where, where DC, I mean, where, where Stipe had success is not where he was aiming at. You see, when DC was not respecting his shots, it was the shots to the head that he wasn't respecting. And, and, and truthfully speaking, he really had no reason to not say that Stipe can't hit him, but the fact that Stipe wasn't hitting him. Stipe wasn't hitting him. He was deflecting the shots. He was moving his head and getting them slipping them by the thinnest margins. And Stipe just was not connecting on the shots. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about him being able to see Stipe, being able to see the timing, see the punches, but he was not able to see that body shot. And that's the that was a key for Stipe to work that body because D.C. can move his head all around and he can miss it, but he couldn't move that body.
0: All right, true or false on point number two? I say. DC, DC, D- you got me saying DC. Say. Daniel D- Cormier abandoning his wrestling after round one is what lost him that fight. A lot of people didn't like me saying that, and they said, look, man, DC was gassed. How do you not see that? That's why he didn't wrestle the rest of the fight. That's why against Gustafson, he kept the fight on the feet the rest of the fight. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that um if DC would have went back there and, and wrestled in the beginning of the second round and wrestled him and put that weight on him, then I think that it would have fared better for him to wrestle in rounds three and four. See, because when you're when you're trying to establish a dominant wrestling game, round one is just really let the guy know that you, you can do that to him. Round two is a round you really let him know that no matter how hard he tries, this is going to be how it is. And then round three and four is you start opening up with everything else, and then you take him down just to let him know that you can do that to him at will. That's how the process of the fight goes, and if DC would have followed that process, then I think he would have mentally broke Stepe. But when he went away from that and started going to the stand-up, then it made Stepe have a better chance to stand
0: there with him. All right, I want to give you one final take, and then we can move on to what's hot. We got a lot to talk about. This Conor McGregor interview and his sort of comeback from hibernation. The idea of the goat. Sometimes we throw the goat at everything. Oh God, that's the greatest fight that ever happened on a Saturday night. Like we we got to have everything's got to be the greatest. <laughs> And sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, I get, what's the hottest take I can take? Let me throw it out there. I, I don't think she pays the heavyweight goat. I said it after the fight, but after thinking about it for a few days, I don't know, man. I, I mean, you could be the most accomplished heavyweight in UFC history, maybe without being the greatest. He sort of, I'll give him the credit, he's tough as balls. He outlasts people. He comes back from from being roughed up as good as any heavyweight on the highest level in UFC history. So it's not that I don't see the heart and the intangibles, but I just don't think I'm looking at the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. Some of that is Kane never really getting the chance to be fully healthy and flesh out his whole career. I think DC's a better fighter. I think DC lost that rematch more than Stipe won it. People killing me for that hot take, Rashad.
1: Mm. And I see why they're killing you for it, and I see why they're killing <laughs> you for it. Because listen, listen. Here's the thing about it Stipe doesn't have all the bells and whistles and all the flares when it comes to you know having that you know the glamour on the mic when he speaks and stuff like that. He doesn't have that selling point that quality, but what Stipe does stand for he does stand for that that blue collar hard work I'm going to go in there and get the job done by any means necessary and I think that resonates with a lot of people and and I think that you know I think that that's one aspect that's not really promoted in Stipe. you know the, the fact that he does have this mentality where he's going to get it done by any means necessary. You know, a lot of times when you go into the fight, you know, it's not so much about who is technically the best fighter because a fight is judged on many levels because, yeah, technique is one thing, but then it's about how you implement those techniques. Then it's about how you, what your posture is when you're doing those techniques. It's about so many other things when it comes to the fight alone. That's why sometimes when I was in a fight, I would get uber cock- cocky and I would do things That fans say, oh, you're so cocky and you're doing things like that. Well, I was doing it to my opponent. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing it for you fans at home. I'm doing it to my opponent because for him, it's telling a different story in his mind. And and, and, and I'm playing a game with him. You know, so so that's what what I I see in Stipe. You know, I think that Stipe has has that quality in him. I think that it's just not being brought out enough. You know, I think that he is, when, when it comes down to it, on paper, on paper. He is the greatest heavyweight of all time on paper. And I mean, nobody's done what what Stipe has done as far as the title defenses and things like that. But, you know, I I, I don't know what that thing is that Stipe needs to do more of. But, I mean, people got to give him his props.
0: It's just, I just know what I'm seeing. I don't know. It's just tough. It's a tough argument. I'm not taking things away from Stepe as much as I'm just not giving him things. Does that make any sense? Probably not at all.
1: I, I get. It, I get it. You're not giving. You're you're not giving. You, like for instance, a fine example of that. Like this. You said that you know it was DC who lost that fight, not Stepe who won the fight. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's taking away the credit from Stepe. You know because DC did did put a. D.C. did put a good game plan in there and did land some great shots. But at the end of the day, it was the mental endurance and the physical endurance of Stipe to land those shots in the finals round to get them to, to win.
0: Interesting debates there. Interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for sharing them here. Let's roll into what happened this past weekend. I don't want to go any further in the show, Brandon Wise, without talking about Bellator 225 in Bridgeport last Saturday. I happened to be ringside with the cards so close to home. Dude... Are you kidding me with the explosions that happened on this night, with the violence that happened on this night, with 14 up and 14 down in terms of finishes, with 17-second knockouts and 11-second record-setting submissions and guys losing their souls left and right, and Paige Van Sant's husband leaving some fool in a pool of blood with a really bad neck tattoo of an eyeball? I'm telling you, there were things happening there on Saturday. And you may not have seen it on the DAZN broadcast or the Paramount Network, but there was nobody there. That was a poor-ass crowd who came for the local favorites and then left. But what a night of MMA, bro. Were you feeling what I was feeling? When
2: I went back and watched it Saturday or Sunday afternoon, it was pretty crazy to just – like, I knew going in that everything was a finish, but to just see how it all played out was just crazy. Like, Nick Newell looking fantastic coming in for his first Bellator fight. Austin Vanderfort, like you mentioned before. I mean, even – I mean, I don't remember his name off the top of my head now that I'm thinking about it, but the Mike Kimball's fight was great. Dude, Mike Kimball say.
0: was lighting that dude up. He just kept his hands down. And he got caught again, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, the whole card on its, on its face was just crazy. And it's one of those cards where you go into it, like you just said, there was nobody there. There was no buzz about that card at all anywhere. And then it delivers something like that where people are like, wow, maybe I should tune into Bellator more often.
0: All right, Rashad, I gotta ask you this. Did you have a chance to see Aviv Gozali, the 18-year-old from Israel, calls himself the king, who had the 11-second submission to set a Bellator record on that beautiful Imanari roll and the heel hook, but Rashad, he no-sold the handshake to open the fight and dove at the guy's legs. Is that more morally ethical in the fight game? No, it's
1: not morally ethical. That is terrible. You should never do that. Listen, at the end of the day, if if you agree to touch hands, and sometimes some people don't even touch hands. When I fought Forrest Griffin, Forrest Griffin told me on fight night, "Hey, don't come out and touch hands. We've come out fighting." And I was like, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> you okay. know what I'm saying? I'm like, "All right," but that's, I mean, the the, the no hook, the the uh, put out, and then go for a shot—that's terrible, man.
0: Well, that's- Aviv did not return the shot. He shot in, and then ended up getting the quick tap. It was just another highlight. I mean, dude, there were just some killer knockouts all the way up to that main event. Nobody kicked each other in the stick this time between Matt Mitrione and Sergei Karatanov. Mitrione had hella issues, though, with his mouthpiece. Guys, what a freaking knockout for Karatanov. I know Mitrione kept spitting out the mouthpiece and he was emotional about it. But when Karatanov caught him with that big uppercut, it made me think there's some life left in this guy And the vicious way he finished him. Bellator's heavyweight division, there's a lot of age in there. There's Ryan Bader and everybody else. But you're telling me I could be down eventually with a Bader Karatanov fight after we get through this Czech Congo business? I'm signing up for that.
2: Damn, I didn't know he was thirty nine already.
1: Yeah, I mean that that was that was a great uppercut and just you know, way way for him to recognize the frustration in Mitrion, you know, and I was speaking to Mitrion uh, the other day about it and um you know you know, he just he just said, you know, and sometimes that happens in a fight. You know, that that's what I was talking about when I was speaking about earlier when I was speaking about Stipe. You know, making it through the mental hurdles that happen in the fight. Cause sometimes when you're out there, I'm telling you, man, it, it's, it's weird. Sometimes you can f- throw a full temper tantrum out there and just be like, you know what? F it. I don't care. I don't care. And just be like that in your mind, you know, and just kind of get in a bad, a bad way about just even competing just because. Something small isn't going your way. That's a good point and on mental takes-
0: toughness because Stepe overcame eye pokes against DC in both fights and didn't let it, you know, he wasn't arguing with the referee. He also yeah. tapped out against Overeem and didn't let that bother him and he went on to finish the fight. <laughs> Look, it's out there. There's a movement. dot com is a real thing. But uh, shout out to Karatanov. Shout out to, uh, uh, Min, what's the guy's Minikov in the Col main?
2: Minikov, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: former Bellator heavyweight champion who, uh, Tim Johnson filled in for Javi Ayala 12 hours notice and got sent guys to the deep dark depths of hell. That's that was a bad knockout.
2: Yeah. Tim Johnson was one of those guys who when he fought for UFC were just kind of like this guy's a UFC fighter. He looks like he's from like the 1900s with his <laughs> giant mustache. Yeah. He and now like he, he delivered was...
0: oil to my house last week. I got what you're saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, shout out to Minikov. Because he needed to get a win after losing his belt to Congo, but he's he 's still the thing man we lost
0: the the number one contender's bout to Congo that, that that gave Congo the shot against Bader. Minikoff was stripped for what ridiculous amounts of inactivity in Bellator and never defending that title. but uh, we got some heavyweight players there, but look, the story is Nick Newell on this night. It was the main event of the undercard preliminary card, Nick Newell from nearby Milford, Connecticut. He packed that house along with Mike Kimball. And let me remind you, those people left after those bouts, which sometimes is the danger of putting too many local favorites too far down on the card. But, I mean, guys, if you're not popping for Nick Newell getting the win here over 5-4 and four, Corey Browning and what this meant for him, you, I don't know if you have a soul. One fight deal with Bellator, one chance, right? One shot. mom spaghetti. I mean, this was the 8-mile the deal right here. I know it wasn't, and he's not in there with a killer. But... I like the Nick Newell story, and I hadn't been on it like everybody else had up to this point. I'd been almost dismissing it. He won me over with his interviews, with his intensity, with his just willingness to never give up. I think Bellator's the house where this story makes the most sense to be told over a long period of time, and I'm wishing Nick Newell well. i pop for him. You got a cold take on him? I hope not.
1: No, no, I, I I totally agree. You know, I've been following this guy for a while. I watched him when he was fighting in, um, I believe it was Titan, one of the smaller organizations, and he, you know, he really impressed me back then. And I just followed him on Instagram and uh, since then. But you know, it, it's been really good to watch his development, you know, a, as a fighter. And um, you know, you know, a, a guy goes out there and he fights, you know, with with one arm and fights the way that he does, and and, and he and and the way he fights you know what i'm saying it, it, it's absolutely phenomenal I mean, he's got the but wrestling is,
0: background what? collegiately he he gets the head and arm triangle choke there with uh i mean he's got a, a strong grip there on the right arm but uh oh,
1: I yeah mean. i mean that but this, this but this is the story like bellator needs this is the kind of thing that bellator needs in order to start establishing himself and start establishing the names in the organization because at the end of the day this is this is what makes any organization uh, something to be watched, the characters that are, that, that embody it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think that character rich, like, like characters like Nick Newell, this is what this needs. You know, this is what Bellator's needs and he's a star and he can fight and a lot of people can get behind a guy like this.
2: So he fought for World Series of Fighting and I didn't know this, but in 2014, he fought for the World Series of Fighting light, heavy,
0: lightweight title against. Justin Just Gage, who showed him no mercy. I mean, rightfully so. And Justin Gauche took him out. And, you know, to complete the full Newell story, obviously, fighting with, with one hand, the other, uh, his left arm stops right, right after his elbow. He'd been a decent World Series of fighting fighter, but then essentially hit retirement, right? Cause nobody would give him a chance. Dana White finally gave him a chance last year on the contender series. Long build up to get there. And guys, he got the crap beat out of him. I mean, he lost the decision. He went the distance, but. I think he showed you he wasn't an elite fighter. People didn't like Dana White's comments after about, you know, we've seen people with two arms and two feet come in here and they've had troubles. But here's the other side of the story. I think two things can be right at the same time, meaning Nick Newell deserves a shot at an elite level, which he's getting with Bellator, but it's a softer elite level. Look, I mean, you know. Bobby Lashley turned pro and went to Bellator, and they gave him a lot of fat white guys. I mean, that's what they can do. They can give you the right opponents. They give you a little bit of a platform. But the other thing that can be right, guys, is what Dana White said. He may not be UFC ready. He may never be. I want the Nick Newell story to go as far as it can go, but I don't want to see him in there against a top-ten guy and just get battered and exposed and have to show how much heart he has. Are you feeling what I'm feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling, but I mean— the, the kid can fight, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't. When I watch him fight, I don't see someone who's in there who's who's handicapped, you know. I, I think that he's 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 learned to use his handicap in a way where it, it kind of works as a as a as a benefit for him because at the end of the day, when you when he's facing someone, no one knows the capacity of that other arm until you know they're in there with him. You know what I'm saying? They don't know that it can hit. They don't know that it can it ha- actually has power, and he actually. Has learned to compensate and has different kind of strength because of the fact that he has learned to compensate by having one hand his whole life. So, you know, there's different things that that having that that one hand can be an advantage for. So, I don't want to handicap him like that. But I I just think that at the end of the day, when you step up to a level like this, it's just about being able to progress at a steady level where you're not being outmatched by opponents.
0: Brandon, was he did he deserve better from the UFC, or did he kind of get what he deserved, which was that chance and he didn't win?
1: They gave him a shot. He
2: didn't win. I can understand UFC saying no. But this was, like you said, this was always kind of the perfect spot for him because Bellator can give him the kinds of fights where they can showcase him and make him into a type of star that they don't have right now.
0: Alright, So it seems like fair game for everybody. It was a good feeling watching that. Anything else jump out at you at this Bellator card? Alejandra <laughs> Lara? You know Azul? She jumped out at me, guys. Fantastic <laughs> fighter, big-time fan, standing up for the rainforests, all right? Sorry, wrong sound button at the wrong time. Or was it? Uh Great, good-looking fighter. I know she lost to, to Alima Leigh McFarlane in her world title fight recently, but she bounced back with a win here. I think she got some star potential. Were you the only national media member there? No, there was uh, Mike Chiappetta from uh, MMAfighting.com.
2: Okay, I'm just making some, sure you weren't sitting by yourself on off press roll. some the
0: clock ESPN guys. <laughs> There, yeah, there was a lot of bottom of the food chain there. I'll I'll be honest with you. All
2: right. Let's talk about the important stuff, please.
0: All right. Sorry. No no Alejandra Lara talk on this timeline. All right. <laughs> Sorry guys. Right. I guess I'm the only one. All right. Uh also that night they announced we will be getting that Rory McDonald, Douglas Lima two for the Welterweight title, finals of the Grand Prix. It's going to be in October, a two night event at the Mohegan Sun of Connecticut, my backyard. First night will be Frank Mir, Roy Nelson 2 in the main event. Second night, we get this one. Both fighters were on hand. Got to talk to both backstage. They're not good quotes. We know that coming in. But they can fight. Their first fight in Bellator, which Rory took by close decision, was sort of an instant classic. How fired up are you guys for this? Because I'm almost getting the feeling like this might be the best matchup in Bellator history from the standpoint of prime guy versus prime guy with tons at stake considering it's the tournament final
1: i think it's a great fight you know and, and i really like where rory's at because he answered his own questions in his last fights about whether he wants to fight or not and i know as a fighter how difficult that is to answer and especially when you're in a position as he was you know in, in, in and in advancing into to in, in a tournament so um he had no choice but to fight but um you know douglas lima is another one who has uh That has grown into his skills on another level, and he's looking phenomenal. You know, each and every single time he steps out there, he looks that much better. So, I don't know how this fight's gonna go, but I think it's gonna be one of those fights that Bellator can start to, uh, like I said, go back to uh, build uh, a true legacy around, not legacy, but just a a true, uh, I guess, home for people to start watching, you know, Bellator fighting and start to really come around Bellator. To be like, oh man, these guys got some credible fights going yeah, on.
0: Yeah, this is the, sort of the, uh, antidote to the, uh, the idea of Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie 3, Dada 5000, which, you know, Kimbo sliced. Beltor got a lot of mileage out of those fights for big TV ratings. But between the Featherweight Grand Prix tournament, between this matchup, between, uh, what's the other big one they got coming up? Oh, oh just in general, like a, a guy like Ryan Bader, who's still in his prime as their two division champion, who's a legitimate guy who can compete in UFC tomorrow, they've sort of showing you that they're reloading. They've got fun, young prospects. I know, unfortunately, a lot of these guys, the Aaron Picos, are losing more than they're winning lately, but they got some things to watch here. For Lima, I almost look at this fight, potentially, guys, as, like, his chance to fully cement what he is, which is, like, the best kept secret in MMA, one of the best in the world in this division, Bellator's best pound-for-pound fighter. Is there a danger, though, if you're Bellator? In Lima fulfilling his full potential. Let's say he beats Roy McDonald. Let's say they have a trilogy and he beats him there too. What's going to make him want to stay in Bellator if he's able to prove that I am that guy? I need to be competing against the very best in the world.
1: I think, I think that has to come down to just how, like how big you make the show. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, the pond has got to feel as big as, you know, they make it. So if they make it feel like, they make him feel like, uh, you know, he's a champion and they really start pumping his tires and really start making it feel like it's something to be a Bellator champion, then I think that will keep desire desires to explore other organizations away at bay. You know, because at the end of the day, he's going to think, well, I had to go to another organization, then I have to prove myself there, and there's no telling how it's going to be, and, you know, you know, here they treat me great. You know what I'm saying? So if they treat him great, then I can foresee him staying. And then at the end of the day, you have to, you know, and they pay him great on top of that as well, too. You know, I I think that's how they they get him to stay.
0: It's it's different, though, than like a Michael Chandler who made that decision to stay. You know, he's been through wars, a little undersized. Probably Bellator was the better choice. It'd be interesting if... Lima can, can just keep running through everyone they have and if he'll be at a different decision given his ability level. But I like what's going on in Bellator. This card was a reminder that they're still here. They got firepower. They got some things they can do to get our attention. All right. Weekend in the books, guys. Let's talk about the biggest story this week. Conor McGregor's back. Not, not fighting, talking. 41 minutes. Ariel Hawani ESPN. A lot of blowback from this. I can't figure out, bros, we actually learned anything. <laughs> If this was Connor talking in a big circle and doing his uh his PR work to rehab his brand, which ESPN may or may not have been, you know, a part of fueling that or whether we can look a lot deeper through what he said and in and, and his demeanor and, and see some things that weren't so good in the end. I, I'm not sure I didn't see a a guy who doesn't know who he is. Doesn't know how to get out of whatever hole he's in right now with getting in trouble, not able to align his life, get that fighting spirit back. I've seen a lot of different hot takes on this. Rashad, what's your first take back? Seeing McGregor for the first time in nearly a full year do that full public sit down like that.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I think that, you know, um, to sit down and to, and to analyze yourself and to be critically honest and to face, uh, you know, a lot of the, what the critics have said. I think it's a very tough thing to do. You know, that's not a very easy thing to do. And he wasn't very uh, light on himself in that interview. You know, he took a lot of, um, you know, took a lot of harsh criticism and he took it fairly on his shoulders. So I think that that part right there, it kind of said to me that, you know, there that is somebody who's trying to do better because the first step of of doing better is seeing that you have a problem, seeing that there is something that you need to change, seeing that your behavior isn't correct. And if you if he sees that his behavior isn't correct, then and, and and he and he values how people see him, then then I do believe there may be some kind of change going on. And also the fact that, you know, he he doesn't like the way that he's being looked at because, you know, he's one of, you know, somebody who has been looked at with so much admiration, you know, for quite a bit now. And to be looked at as not the way he's being looked at, you know, I'm sure that kind of, that kind of eats on his, eats at his ego a little bit. So I'm definitely think he wants to get back on the right track of there, you know, and also as far as fighting, you know, when you're away from the sport for so long and you start to, uh, be pulled away just by different distractions and different distractions, you know, then, then the road back to the cage, it does seem like a, a, a far, you know, far, far, long way aways. And it does seem, and it can be hard to get back there because, you know, there's a lot of bad habits that he needs to confront in order to get himself back into a, a fighter's mentality again. A you good know, call.
0: I mean, dime store psychologist, Brandon, looking into his eyes, I didn't see the eye of the tiger. I didn't see the notorious character. I saw kind of a guy who was lost and that may ultimately be the case. And I thought it was interesting timing to do this interview sort of one week removed from Nate Diaz coming back and, and being the darling of everybody, not being that, that reject B side or, you know what I mean? Like being everyone's sudden baby face darling. How'd you sort of see all this?
2: Yeah. I It was just kind of rambling. That's where I was at was like, he just didn't seem to have his thoughts together. He, it like you said, BC, it kind of felt rushed. Like kind of out of nowhere, they were like, "Hey, we need to get some PR spin going here. We need to we need people talking about you again because, frankly, the division's about to leave him behind if we're being honest, You're right? Being honest, yes. Light- <laughs> Lightweight's about to just keep on trucking because after the after next weekend with Khabib and Dustin, there's still business to be had without Connor. So I thought that his his um not takes but his side of the story i guess for what happened in dublin and then what happened with his cell phone incident it was just weird it was lawyer speak and then the way that he starts talking about fighting again and how he loves the sport and how he loves the game i mean rashad we've talked about it before it's like i haven't seen you push and make this push to get back in the octagon you know yeah it's been over a year now and you keep talking like you're gonna fight but then these injuries keep happening and he says that he's He's had these injuries in the past, and he's not told anybody about them. And he keeps fighting because he know he's a company man and he wants to do it for the sport. But it's like, at some point, we need to see you, man. We need to see you fight. We need to see you active. If we, if you want people to believe in you and believe in in the the mystique that is Conor McGregor.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when I watched the interview, you know, I, I sensed the vulnerability the vulnerability in him, and there was there's a vulnerability in him that I really couldn't place, and I really couldn't place. Is it because you know, he, he felt as if um, uh, he hasn't lived up to what he was. You know, he, he he used an interesting phrase. He said, a shell of myself. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to become a shell of myself. So in his mind, that must be playing. You know what I'm saying? He must be seeing himself from the outside looking in and like, man, my activities and the way I'm acting, I'm just a shell of what I used to be. I used to be able to go out there and do great things. And now I'm just living off of that right now. You know, and I'm not that anymore. So I, I think that. There, there was a uh, a complete just bare honesty to that interview, you know, and, and that's why I think it kind of came off in a way that 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 you guys are saying, just because at the end of the day, when you're when you're being honest with yourself, when somebody's just you know asking you questions, you you don't have no you haven't thought about it, you are just kind of reacting, you know, and that's what I've seen. I've seen him just reacting to the question and just giving, you know, from what I have seen, it, uh, an honest answer. But I think the biggest thing for Connor. Is just to, uh, get a fight, but get a fight with somebody that can get his juices up, but no one who he is, um, who, who's, who's gonna
0: outmatch him. I agree with you on that. And, and it's not that I don't think he was being real. I almost think he was being too real. And I know there's people saying, look, you can't be the notorious character all the time. I think marketing wise, I don't think that interview was a good look. Yeah, he did apologize for everything, but he was not going into detail on anything. It was just sort of a generic, constant circular apology i'm remorseful let's move on and he came across as as almost weak and i know that sounds insulting and i don't mean it as harsh as it sounds but i mean that there's some things you you don't go on camera and say i made the same comments about anthony joshua in boxing was gearing up for this andrew ruiz rematch went on a speaking tour in england of different long-form interviews And kind of came off saying, oh, it was a lucky punch. And came off saying, oh, I didn't like the stoppage. Like, basically just kept kept dipping out on excuses. And my sort of PR spin on that is, dude, don't talk. Go back in the gym. Speak little. Get on the mic and say, yeah, Ruiz did well. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to beat him. And then get on with it. I don't need to hear you making excuses to tear down this image of you. With Conor here, I didn't need him meandering for 41 minutes and almost saying nothing. I need him doing the only thing he can do to fix everything, and that's get back in the cage and win. He still wants to fight, then get back in there, be active, and win. And to be honest, right or wrong, we're not going to care about these arrests. We're not going to be talking about these arrests. We're going to be talking about him fighting others. And I know there was a little bit of news that came out, him revealing that he was almost going to fight Justin Gage in July at MSG, that a left-hand injury that I don't remember us really knowing this level of detail has kept him out for this whole time. But I don't know, guys. You know, I came out of there going, okay, felt very PR spinny. And I came out of there going, I don't know if he could ever be that guy again, that relentlessly, uh, like, obsessive, confident guy, which is the catnip of what we were addicted to. Because you could just be a blowhard and believe in yourself, but if you can't back it up in the cage, you're going to fade away pretty quick. You're just going to be another trash talker who couldn't back it up. Good Lord, the guy backed it up every single time when he climbed that mountain. It was a special run he was on. I don't know, Rashad. I, I kind of still need him to be that. I don't know I, if there's a marketable side for him as sad, downtrodden, I-need-to-get-back-in-there oh, humble guy. He's no, never been was, humble, bro. Right,
1: but here's the thing about it. That was that interview, and I think that was a perfect interview because here's the reality of the situation. When he was coming off of and the questions he was facing after that video came out about him beating that old senior citizen, that's not a good look. Like beating a citizen is like beating a senior citizen is like beating you know a woman or a child or something like that. It's not it's not a good look, you know. The, the is so I think he needed to come across that way. If he didn't come across that way, then I think he could have stood to lose more people because if if a man can't acknowledge when he has done wrong, then that is not a man at all. And you can't respect that man. You get what I'm saying? That's fair. So that's I th- fair. he did exactly what he needed to do. And I think him facing it, or whatever that may have been, or just being, being, having, tucking his tail between his legs, I think that showed people that, that he does have, have a side to him that he can, he can be checked. You know what I'm saying? He can't check himself. I, I think that, I think that's what, I, what I took away from it more than anything because I, I know how it is to be a fighter. I know how it is to, have to answer some of these questions and, and and sometimes when you have to answer for things that you've done and it's not that favorable to you god it, it's hard to come up with the words it's hard to come up with the words to say hey i made a mistake and make it sound a way that somebody hears it besides hey i made a mistake
0: it's interesting i get what you're saying on that side and look at like he doesn't have to be notorious to like who who, who the hell am i he doesn't he just, he can just be the humble man but i don't know i don't think that's what people want to buy at the end of the day, and I don't know why him being sort of this humble man does anything more to his brand. We want to see him because he fights and he's notorious. So yeah, if he's going to sign up for a fight, think, we're going to be tuned into be it. That
1: when, I think he will be that when it's for a fight, but after you pop an old man in the head and you've been in trouble for saying a bunch of bonehead things, you know what I'm saying? I think you, you kind of need to come off and be like, hey, guys, I'm tripping. You know what I'm saying? I, I got a lot of money. You know? Things, that, things are, are weird in this world. You I know did what like I'm the saying?
0: comments about the generational wealth and wanting to stop now before he becomes a tragic story. So I like that Ariel went in that direction. Brandon, I wanted to bring up – there has been a blowback of criticism against Ariel Helwani and ESPN really centered around the idea of not bringing up the sexual assault case against him the, for whatever reason – but just of the idea that it's a different landscape now with ESPN having such a financial interest in the UFC. So we haven't really had that first monster scandal yet to see how you, you, ESPN would cover it differently now that they need the UFC's brand to shine. They're they're invested heavily in that day and age right now where we stand. It's different than last year. Is this interview fully on the up and up in your eyes? You all good with it? Um.
2: I mean, I will say yes, but just from the fact that Ariel didn't just let him sit on those answers. Like, he did press him a couple of times to, like, see what he was trying to say when he was starting, when Connor was being vague with some of those words that he used. So, yes and no. Just because, like you said, there is this sexual assault allegation that's been made against him in Ireland that the New York Times reported on, but seemingly nobody else has gotten any facts on. So there is some weird stuff. We aren't there yet in terms of, like you said, like the big scandal and how Uf- and how ESPN would cover it. But I think that Ariel did his job. I think that's the best way to put it. He did what he was supposed to do in that situation.
1: And then BC, you, you, you talk – I mean you can't really bring up the sexual scandal and things that are still going through in court because even if he does bring them up, you know, Connor can't even speak about it. Because if he does, then, you know what I'm saying, it, it messed up his court case. So he would just have to just – it would just – it would be like – it would be bringing something up as a way to – I hear you. I
0: think that you can fully – you can disclose, though. There's full disclosure where, you, where he could either say I have no comment on it or Ariel could say, look, I know people are expecting me to ask you about this. Right now it's a legal situation. You can't comment on it. I know that. Just something like that to just remove this topic conversation. But what's crazy here, guys, straight up? is we just spent how many minutes, as many podcasts did this week, um, pulling through the facial expressions and words of a man talking for 41 minutes because that's all we're getting from Connor outside of random tweets and random TMZ arrests. So can we just get back in the cage? And I know, Brandon, you've tried to put the moratorium on this show in the past and say, we're not going to talk about Connor until he has a fight because there's nothing else to talk about. This man needs a three fight year. He needs to get back in. And Rashad, maybe it means no more fighting my brand's big enough I can do nothing but main event. Maybe it means taking a co-main event against a lesser guy on the uh, back end of the top ten just to get back in it, build the I, mojo and then I get back he, in the cage again three months later.
1: I think he can't, he can't do that. He can't do that because here's the thing about it. Fighting Conor McGregor McGregor's a lottery ticket. You know what I'm saying? Every single person that he fight, it, it changes their trajectory of the career, changes their fight purse forever. They're never the same fighter again. So that's not something you can bestow on someone who's a top ten talent just because you know they. You need him to have an easy fight. He he's at a point where he put himself in a position where he only can have guys who are at the level where they you know warrant a chance to fight somebody who can give him that kind of payday you know what i'm saying that's why everybody's vying for that 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 fight because you know as as a as a matchmaker you really can't put them in there with everyone because it, it, when you do that you make that person a star
0: it's interesting uh he used words like tony ferguson guys he didn't back down from any big name but he also threw out a frankie edgar there and i know people didn't like it when i said frankie edgar while still elite and he was he 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 did show up against max was sort of the perfect comeback fight for Max, coming off of the Poirier loss. Guys, Frankie Edgar might be the perfect Conor McGregor comeback fight right here. A little bit smaller. McGregor can use his range and punch. I know he'll be taken down, but certainly not on a Habib level. You like this fight because Frankie responded on on social media and said, "I know I was cutting to 35, but I'll meet you at any weight class."
1: Yeah, I like this fight. You know, I like this fight because you know it can be a true grinder's fight you know and, and it can really showcase the best of both of these guys and and i think that you know a fight like this would um would, would bring uh light to Connor's fighting style in, in a different way you know what i'm saying fighting somebody as fast and as quick as Frankie Edgar you know would, would be something great for Connor and i think that um you know Frankie Edgar being able to present a challenge for connor i think it'd be something great because when it comes with the movement and being able to wrestle i think that'd be something that connor will have problems with
2: it'd be a lot like the mendez fight i think where yeah we see how he's able to, to sustain against a wrestling guy who's not big he's not going to be physically bigger than connor but he's going to be able to control on the ground and if connor can get out of those situations and get the fight back to the feet we might see the power again and see what kind of chin frankie's still got mm-hmm
0: Interesting that he would have been back against Gaethje. That was like the ultimate feast or famine fight. Like he could have been in hell or he could have walked him down and knocked him out. You never know.
2: When he's talking about fighting in July at MSG, that's a card that just never came to be, right? Like yeah. were they making a card specifically for him in July?
0: Well, remember they announced that Edmonton site fairly late in the process? So you ha- if you're going to do the math of everything Connor's saying on the up and up, that once he revealed he had an injury – yeah. I guess there was no option for a summer MSG, but it it wouldn't have made sense. You're right. If they are coming back in November, which they are, which is already looking to be a big card. I mean, can we get Conor on that one? That would be fantastic. Wow. I know, Brandon, you want to talk about Amanda Nunez and the ESPN body issue, but we, we had to go through McGregor here and really break it down. That's not what we were going to talk about. We're <laughs> going to talk about her next fight. All right. All right. Uh, it's a good transition, though. Amanda Nunez will defend her Bantamweight title in a rematch. Against Jermaine Durandomy, It's going to be in Vegas at that early December card. you know the number offhand?
2: 245.
0: 245. Interesting. Interesting here. Durandomy had some success early on against Nunez in the first fight before just getting blown away. Durandomy is peaking right now. Didn't want to fight Cyborg. Paid the ultimate price. Got stripped of her featherweight title. She's back at her natural weight class. There's nobody else for the Lioness to fight, Rashad. So let's use that as our base and our foundation. I kind of like this fight. I want to see what it looks like on the feet. Jermaine can do some things.
1: Yeah, I really like it as well, too. I mean, when, when it comes to striking, uh, Jermaine Duran and me, you know, her her striking is head and shoulders above anyone in the weight class. You know, when it comes to just the power and the ability that she had to stay inside the pocket in exchange and not and not given to the panic. You know, you see some... Some of these women strike and, and, and you can kinda tell like they're still at that stage, you know what I'm saying? But she she strikes different. She strikes different than a lot of the women in, in the weight class. And um it'll be interesting to see what happens uh with her striking against Mana and because the Man and Nunes striking has grown so much and she has gotten so much power on her shots now and she has she's gotten so much more uh so smart when it comes to setting up her shots and putting people in her trick bag. Very patient and and, had, and like two or three steps ahead. So it, it's gonna be a good, it's gonna be a great fight. I think the winner of this fight is the one who takes advantage of the small areas, which I mean by the grappling exchanges, the clinches exchanges, and also some ground play as well.
0: But it's also gonna be interesting to see what this fight looks like the second time. I know they both evolved, and we're just talking about the run GDR is on, and she's look she looked very good. I mean, but. Amanda is sort of night and day, to go back to that earlier version of her, which was kind of all aggression, didn't have the nuances wrinkled out. There's something happening here, guys. uh, Lately for Amanda Nunez, like, she's great in many ways. has got a gas tank now. She's got a lot of things going on. But I feel like she's figured out even more how to make her power matter. I mean, I never would have guessed she finished Holly Holm with one strike on a head kick like that. She seems to just be touching people, and they go away which does speak to Rocky Pennington's toughness, I guess, in that five-round bout. But if you told me in advance, as much as I kind of like this fight, that this fight would be a three-minute blowout, I also wouldn't be surprised because people need to get into that 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 kitchen and prove they can take the lioness's power. No one's doing that right now, Brandon.
2: Do you think people are getting to that point like they were with Rousey where they were mentally beat? before they even step in the octagon against Amanda, where it's the point now where she's been so dominant for this run that she's on. I think it's 10 wins in a row total. But she's beaten the best of the best and just thoroughly dominated for two rounds at most in in most of these fights. So do you guys think that she's gotten to the point where she's already got the mental edge on everybody that she steps in with?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when you're that dominant and you're knocking people out the way that she is and the caliber of people that she's knocking out, I think that has scared the bejesus out of anybody, you know, especially, you know, especially when you're not at that level and then, and then you're, you're watching her just mollywop somebody who you know that you probably would have a hard time with. That is intimidating. That, 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 does not make you want to stand up and put your hand up and say, Hey, put me in with her at all. Um, you know, and, and I think the biggest growth in Amanda Nunez more than anything, more than just technique alone, is it, just her confidence. And I can't speak enough about how much just the belief, and knowing you have the power in your hands, knowing that you have the timing, knowing that you have just that 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 Midas touch, that no matter if you hit that person, they're going to go out. When you know that you have that, sky's the limit, you know, and you fight different when you have that uh, knowledge of yourself.
0: Yeah, Dana said Amanda will re, uh, defend the featherweight title if she gets past me here. Guys, I don't know against who. I mean, that's really our problem right now. Who the heck is she going to fight in these divisions, especially after GDR? We're going to find that Kats and Connell got cut by the UFC. It will not be her. Rashad, I wanted to ask you one thing more related to that Connor situation. I was reading the quote we had down here on a rundown where he said, I must get my head screwed on and just get back in the game and fight for redemption, retribution, respect. The things that made me the man I am. Did you have, have time at any point in your career? You're Sugar Rashad. You're the damn former or maybe at that time current UFC light heavyweight champion. You're a celebrity. I'm sure ladies were in your DMs where you had to check yourself because you were a little bit too much sugar than you were Rashad.
1: Oh, 1000%. That's exactly why I know what Connor has, what he feels, you know, and I, and I experienced it on one level that, you know, uh, um, I can't even compare to his level, which he's experiencing it. So, you know, he has a whole nother level of what he's experiencing as far as what he has coming at him and the opportunities and and everything else that goes along with that, and just a whole different lifestyle of what um, what happens, you know, um, you know, at some of you know these events and, and some of the things that he may he may go to. It's just a different type of living, different kind of understanding of of life that that people with with money uh, and, and uh, ability to do they do, you know, and When you start to have that as your reality on a consistent basis, it gets hard to go and grind and do what you need to do as a fighter because being a fighter is a mentality. You know, when when you're when you have that everything that he spoke about in that quote, it was all about mindset. You know, all those things were, were, were things that can get him in a certain kind of mindset. And that's what fighting is. Fighting is a mental mindset. You have to mentally be a fighter before you're physically
0: a fighter. Brandon, are you developing a mental mindset at Hard Knocks 365 right now? No. Alrighty then. Uh, Brandon, you were able to attend UFC Media Day at ATT American Top Team this past week. Uh, a lot of colorful things happened from, uh, Colby showing up with a rent-a-woman? Is that what we're gonna call this?
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna say that, but yeah. It was weird, to say the least.
0: But Kids. all the big guns were there with the exception of Boogie Woman. <laughs> No, she was in Poland. She wasn't coming. But um, what, what was it like there? We had all the big guns.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a bigger media turnout than I'm used to. There were representatives from just about every major outlet. I'm used to it just being kind of me and the local guys there. But we got some good stuff, man. I mean, Edson Barbosa and Dustin Poirier were talking to us about their fights next week before they head off to Abu Dhabi. Colby, as you mentioned, and then uh the new king, I would say, himself strolled in with a University of Miami hat on, Jorge Masvidal, and <laughs> uh, held court in the middle of the gym doing a media scrum.
0: We're going to play some of this sound over the next few weeks of this show, Brandon. But uh, what's the big takeaway from Masvidal? He's he's the must-see must guy coming off of the Nate Diaz call-out.
2: He's ready. He says he's done making people famous off of his name. He says that there's only really one fight right now that's of interest to him and that's getting that Nate Diaz fight done. He and he and Nate both kind of know their worth and they know that they deserve to be paid correctly for that fight. So the current negotiations going on with them and UFC are interesting to say the least. <laughs> it sounds like they both want to make over a million dollars for that fight and I can't blame them. That makes a ton of sense seeing as that that fight is going to be a headliner somewhere and make the well, UFC a lot of money. I
0: want to ask you that, uh, Rashad, could you see this headlining a pay per view given this new climate of Dana sort of avoiding that unless there's an, at least an interim title at stake?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so, just because of the fact that you know both of these guys are going to sell the fight. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I think that you know when it comes down to it, you know that both of these guys are going to draw, so you can put whoever you want underneath these guys, and you're going to have a hard card. And also, like, you know, when, when when you get, like, for some some reason, like, people like to fight on cards like this. So you get a lot of people like, oh, I want to fight on that card. And then when, you know, you get more people vying to fight on that card, then you get a lot of great matchups on that card. And I think I can see a lot of people wanting to be a part of a card like this just because they know it's going to be a hot seller. So I think it would be a great card.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, there's a lot of other fights that have been booked, Brandon, since we last spoke. You ready? Yeah, and, and, and get, educate me here. What do we got going on?
2: I'm going to go a little buy or sell down these, like, five or six fights that have been announced for both of you guys. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Let's start off the top with the mo- one that's going to be the soonest. That would be Ben Askren making his return against Damian Maya at UFC Singapore on October 26th.
0: Yeah, I'm buying this one. Love I'm it. Soft-dish love- comeback for Askren from the five-second KO. Maya's going to be a tough-out grappling but he's on the other side of the mountain these days he's not going to knock him out. I love this matchmaking
1: yeah, I love it too. I think it's a great opportunity for Ben to work on some of the uh, stand up aspects that he needs to desperately work desperately work at if he's going to really be a contender in the top five because I think that you know Ben has great wrestling he has a great ability to get the fight where he wants to, but at the end of the day if you don't have the ability to Throw some combinations to feel comfortable striking in the pocket, then you're not going to, uh, even, even come close to contesting with anybody in the top five. So I think that Maya won a, a great fight for him to work out some of his, uh, non existent stand up and try to couple that with his great wrestling.
0: This is like a grappler's dream though, Rashad. This would be interesting.
1: I know that that's exactly why he should work on. Listen, I'm not saying he needs to stand up and 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 paint a masterpiece on his feet. I'm just saying he needs to 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 paint a little bit. I'm just saying you know what I'm saying he needs to get a couple colors out and just work with him for the for like half a round.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's move on to the fight card in Australia. Another one kind of flying under the radar. Ally Aquinta is going to take on Dan Hooker on that UFC 243 card.
0: Um, yes. Oh, hell yeah. I love me some Dan Hooker. And this is the exact kind of test to find out who he really is at this point in such a crowded ass division. Bounce back nicely from that sort of disastrous loss against Barbosa. Um, this is a great matchup, dude. This kind of is the kind where you win it. You move up another level in that top 10. You move up to that could be a title contender level.
1: Yeah, I really like this matchup too. You know, I like Ally-Quinta. You know, I think since that fight with Khabib, you know, you've seen a different Al has re- emerged. You know, one that one one that kind of uh, I guess gives more attention to to this fighting aspect. And you know, what I'm saying I felt like before he was um, fighting, but I think you know he was doing really well with real estate, and that was more of where his focus was at. But I think with the whole opportunity to fight Khabib, I think that he knew like, whoa, I'm sitting there with a guy like this, and I'm actually a lot better than I'm giving myself credit for. So now you see a better effort out of Al, it seems. And I think that this better effort out of Al is going to result in a great fight with Dan Hooker.
2: All right. Next one up it was announced yesterday, actually, after being hinted at for a little while on Twitter. Darren
1: Till is moving to
2: middleweight, and his first fight will be against Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 244 in New York this November. <laughs>
0: That's the sound of my car, already getting on the road to go see that. Are you kidding me, dude? What? First of all, I questioned – I mean, Darren Till's got a lot of balls for taking this fight right now unless he thinks – I mean, certainly he believes in himself, but unless he thinks Gastelum uh, might, might still have a bit of the receipt from the damage taken in the Adesanya fight. But I look at this fight, and I'm like, damn, we're going to see action, and I love Kelvin Gastelum in this fight.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I like this matchup for um Darren Till as well too because, listen – I've, excuse me, i watch uh Darren Till and I've been watching him for a while and I've studied him and, and when he's, you know, I watch him spar and when you're watching him spar and he hasn't had any weight cut issues, he looks absolutely phenomenal. And listen, I know sparring is sparring. Anybody can look any kind of way any, you know, when, when they're sparring but it's just, you know, he looks, he looks very quick, he looks very strong, he looks very fresh. So I say that to say this. A Darren Till at 185, one who doesn't have to uh Compete with a body that's been com- diminished with all its nutrients and, and doesn't have the water to take a, sh- a big shot. I think that Darren Till is a problem at 185. Now then again you're going against a guy with Calvin Gastelum who who is you know battle tested and, and and one of the hardest strikers in in, in the weight class. So this is going to be a great fight, man. But I don't I don't think that Darren Till is is, is outmatched in this fight. I think that Darren Till is going to Look phenomenal because, uh, he's been, he, this is his natural weight.
0: I think, I mean, this is going to be so much action because if you're Till, you want to test the will of Gastelum early. You want to get him, I would think, right back into a firefight and be like, you ready for round six against Adesanya right now? You ready to go down here with me? And if Till is feeling that good at the new weight and feels stronger, man, I mean, Brandon, this is appointment viewing, bro. Come up, come up to New York. Let's do this thing, okay?
2: We might need to make that happen. I'm glad, just as a point, Kelvin's also at his natural weight now that he's at 185, and he looks so much better in that fight against Israel Adesanya. All right, next one. Let's go to Tampa in October. James Vick versus Nico Price.
0: Rashad, you you feeling this?
1: Ah, man, you know, listen, I I like Nico, and I like James Vick. I'm just, I don't know. I, I I think this is a good fight. I think this is a good fight for James Vick to get back to James Vick. You know what I'm saying Nico Nico price is a uh, is a tough guy though Nico Nico's a very tough guy and um, you know he's gonna be looking to get a little bit of get back as well too because he's coming off a loss too I believe yes so uh N- Nico Nico's gonna want to be looking to go in there and, and be exciting but um you know James Vick I just hope that he he's sorted out you know some of some of those issues that he's been having when it comes to just competing you know and I, and I think the biggest thing for him is, is getting with with a uh, a performance coach you know what I'm saying, somebody that can help him settle his nerves and and, and help him to fight the way that, that we've seen him fight before, you know. And, and I think that now he's being a little bit too, he's rushing a little bit, you know, and he's trying to get back something that he's lost a while ago. Oh, I'm trying to get back this win back. Oh, I'm trying to get this back. And when you fight like that, you fight in a rush and you're not thinking, and that's the result. You get caught. So hopefully Nick James Vick could get back to James Vick.
0: Yeah, this does offer him matchmaking wise. I guess a step down from the super elite that he'd been, or the regular elite that he'd been losing to. Man, that'd be a tough pill to swallow four defeats in a row. So this really is must win for James Vic. Are you going to be there at this one, Brandon? This is your relative backyard.
2: We're trying to make it happen. By the way, this is Vic moving up to welterweight. He's finally said that he's done at lightweight. So this will be his first fight at 170.
0: Interesting. What else is that card looking like for you? You're getting.
2: So here's your co-main event. Yeah. Cub Swanson will be taking on Crone Gracie.
0: Oh, wrong button. Uh, Ding, ding, please. Yes. Love this fight, dude. Love this fight. Need to see who Crone Gracie really is. Love what we've seen so far in him, the name, prepping Nate Diaz like crazy for his last fight. Cub's probably the perfect aftermarket test to take this next step forward. But there's going to be a fight.
1: Yeah, I like this one as well, too. You know, uh, Kron Gracie is someone who, who's very mysterious to me. You know, he, he doesn't say much and, you know, uh, you know, you can tell he has some talent, but there's a lot of questions still about, you know, how to stand up, how's he when he's tested and stuff like that, because he doesn't give you that much, you know, and he doesn't have a lot to watch. So, um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what we actually dealing with, with Kron, you know, so far what I've seen, he looks phenomenal. And then Cub. Um, you know, we're, we're, I'm still waiting to see Cub kind of bounce back. You know, Cub's become a family man and, you know, his life changed in that capacity. And, uh, you know, sometimes that, that causes, you know, you're fighting to change too, but it would be interesting to see Cub get back to, you know, that, that same creative, fun, uh, effective striking Cub that we've, we've seen in the past.
2: And then the main event of that card is going to be Joanna Yonjecek against Michelle Watterson in a strawway bout. Phenomenal. I, when, love that, um,
0: I love that fight. This card is, is sneaky good there, Brandon.
2: It's coming together, man, and on kind of short notice since that fight, that card's October 12th, I believe. So, yeah, it it's starting to look a lot better than we
0: thought it might. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, and if you were wondering on uh, or Nelson 2 for Bellator. Oh, God. I, I'm, I, look, right, Nelson had a good run, man, but it's over, okay? It's over. Please. He's like three
2: and eight in his last 11 fights or something.
0: I I don't need it anymore. They don't need it anymore. I'm going to still go on record and tell you this. I like a lot of what Bellator does. I do not like the two cards in the same city for a weekend thing. I know there's times where it works out nice, and if you happen to be home on a Friday and a Saturday, and there's decent fights on both, but it seems splintered for the sake of it. How about you just give us a really damn good card in one city and we'll stay hot and we'll stay excited for you. So if this was the co-main for Lima McDonald 2, why are we separating this?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Speaking of Splintered, by the way, one championship doing that century card on October 13th. 13th from Tokyo. They're putting on two cards in one night from the same arena. Where four different belts will be on the line. I, I mean, we were joking that they've just unloaded the entire roster and said go fight.
0: It's interesting. So I, I'm proud of them in a sense here. This is their hundredth card. They want to blow it out, calling it century. The first card is going to be in the morning Tokyo time. That's the one that will air. Assumedly, assumedly is that a word? That's the card that would air at eleven. 30 p.m. Eastern time on TNT in the States. Now, that's a win. We've been saying, I know you can find them on the Bleacher Report app, but we've been saying, get in front of us and we'll care about you. You going live on TNT, God, that's a win right there. And they put the right people on that card. They really like the Angela Lee story. They got her in the main event. You got Demetrius Johnson. You got Eddie Alvarez. You got a Yushin Okami buried on the undercard there. It's a smart move putting that card up there. And I think that's a big step forward for them. But until they make their U.S. debut, I don't think people will really care. Until we get an 8 p.m. Eastern start live time on a channel everybody has, I don't think you're going to really find out what they have for us. But I like this development because it's it's a lot better than, than sort of the knock on the door we've been getting in the past from one. And you open it once in a while and you look and you go, okay, it's okay. I just need you to be more.
1: Yeah, I I agree, man. I think that if one is gonna really compete for this market over here, I think they're gonna have to do a lot of work and and just to get people interested. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, they, I mean, they're 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 starting off, you know, not not to, um, you know, with competing with the Bellator and UFCs and and Bellator is steady trying to find his mark, you know, and they've been trying to do it for a while. So I don't I don't see uh, how, how one is gonna do it, but I think they need to do something if they're going to, um, you know, really, really, uh, get some of these people's attention over here
0: in the West. Yeah, I mean, they do have Vitor Belfort, although they're talking about putting him in there with Roy Jones. How about we put, uh, Vitor Belfort against Rashad Evans for a whole lot of money in Singapore? I'd get on that plane, alright? Do you get on that plane? I'd get on that plane. Brandon, you, you come with us? You uh, I'll with? make
2: the trip. You know who else is gonna be on that card is uh our boy at Hard Knocks three six five, Ong Sung, he's fighting oh, he's yeah. defending his light heavyweight title against he's, Brandon Vera.
1: Yeah.
0: That's actually, actually a list. That's look, be a, a low key good fight. That's a main event of the second card that they're doing. Yes. And also, uh hey your boy Adam Boric is in that uh sixteen man featherweight tournament for Bellator. Can he win this, Rashad?
1: Yeah, he can. This dude is phenomenal, man. I was watching him the other day in the gym and him and Sean Seriano, uh, Connecticut um you know uh lightweight and they just bang and battle and it's just you know Soriano's like he's like a striking coach and um this kid Borox is just you know technically you know so sound and you just watching them battle is just like you want to pull up some popcorn and just you know just just enjoy yourself and just you know because that's how good this kid is
0: I'd like to see him in the cage against Wise in practice. There, really find out what he can do against a big six five <laughs> That is never gonna happen. All right, all right. Um, hey, let's let's close this this episode. Let's get into UFC China this weekend in Shenzhen, Brandon. What time does this start on the East Coast? Do you have that information? Six a.m. Oh boy, what time do you think Jessica Andrade will be defending her women's strawweight championship?
2: I'm hoping when I get up at 830.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh Look, this is a foreign card, so you can't expect a deep card, and we're not getting one. But they're giving China a real main event. Women's straw weights always deliver. You know my calling card with that. And it's Andrade fresh off dropping Nama Yunus on her head. She's strong. She's ready against Whaley Zong. Now, look, when this fight was signed, we all know what it was. Zong a little bit fast-tracked to it considering the opportunity here in China she can fight Rashad Weili son can do some things is she ready though for the violence that andraj brings
1: you know i I, I think that watching Whaley fight you know she she's she's a grinder she has some grind in her and I think that um she is ready I think she is ready and I think that the opportunity of fighting at home is uh is is really um giving her whatever she doesn't have in herself you know and I think that you know she's she's carrying a country on her back and she knows that and I think that when a fighter challenges himself like that and it seems like she's challenged herself like that and she's accepted a challenge I don't think she's going to fail that challenge I think that is something that she's really looking forward to so she's going to meet Andrade with all the intensity that Andrade is going to meet her with so this is going to be a fight and if people don't know Wei Li now they're going to know her after this fight
0: she does seem to have a tough fighting spirit Andrade doesn't back away. I mean, she showed against Namajuna, she can lose big portions of fights and keep grinding. She certainly showed that against Young Jacek in that title loss. She, 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 she hit Boogie Woman late a couple times big, you know, when you thought mentally she could have checked out. No, she kept grinding. Brandon, um, can you just echo my love for this division? It's hot, bro. It's a hot division in more than one ways. Um, every fight delivers, man. There's always five, six title contenders sitting around. There's always someone coming up. 115 is the home, brother. That's it. That's the best non-men's lightweight division in the entire sport.
2: I don't think it's the best non-men's lightweight division in the entire sport, but it's up there. It's top five.
0: Uh Can you see an avenue of victory here for Whaley's on?
2: Um, I would say that if she's able to keep this fight on the feet, just because Andrade, we've seen, when she's able to get her hands on people, it's just lights out. Like, I mean I I want to say it was a couple of years ago in Tampa actually when she when Andraj, I think fought Tisha Torres she's kind of ragdolled her around the ring that night like it wasn't even fair so if if Zong is able to keep the distance and just kind of point her then I think she's got a shot to win but Andraj to me has the advantages in just about every other category when you're looking at the, the tail of the tape for this fight. This
0: party. should be an Andrade win. Uh, we're going to find out what Whaley really has because the home crowd, I mean, has the potential to be rocking here at the Shenzhen Universad Sports Center Arena. But Rashad, we know UFC's financial interest in this country. God, every fight promoter has wanted to get into Every business wants to get into China for obvious reasons. There's like a trillion people there. Can Whaley become like a day one-ish star for the UFC if she was able to pull the upset and win this championship on Saturday morning?
1: Absolutely. You know, when I went to China, I went to China about uh, three years ago, and that's when I met uh, Ayersbury at Asanya. And, um, you know, it was was crazy because I went out there for a fight, and it was really one of the first times that uh, any kind of mixed martial arts really, uh, you know, mixed martial arts event was there. So um, it was interesting to see how the fans – were were responding to it, but they definitely got interested in it. And when they were interested in it, you know, they, they were like huge crowds around us and everyone wanted pitch picture and it was like it was kinda like a mob. So um she could be an absolute huge star over there in China if she goes up there and she does what she can do.
0: Brandon, give me one reason to stay here in this podcast and talk about UFC China <laughs> any longer or I'll turn right back around.
2: I mean Elysio Dos Santos is actually a really fun fighter. You probably just don't remember the name, but when you see him on on Saturday at 7am while you're eating your Cheerios, you'll be impressed, I would say.
0: Alrighty then, that's a rough card. Wow! <coughs> I'll hand in my uh hardcore card on that one and call myself a casual. That's a rough looking card. I'm sure them and their families are very excited. That's our show for the week, though, folks. Special thanks to Be wise the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans. Thanks for tuning in. So much State of Combat coming at you each week. All three fight sports. Uh, Rashad, can we, uh, look out for you on any, uh, broadcasts coming up soon? Uh, you got any public appearances? What's going on within the life of the Hall of Famer?
1: Uh, not much right now. You know, I got something coming in mid, uh, September, uh, broadcast coming up, but, uh, just, just here. I guess they can keep finding me here every week. That's where I'll be.
0: Damn right, alright. Slide in yeah. his DMs on Instagram if you must, alright? At at <laughs> uh and no, I'm just kidding there. But uh follow us on Twitter at State of Combat, at Sugar Rashad Evans, at Brandon sixty five. Shout to Mikey Mormile at MGM MJM C B S I. Not MGM. Not MGM. Alright, that's it. I got no other words to say, but listen, guys, we out.